This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder. A behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. Yo, what is going on, Glass Cannon Nation? Welcome back to the FOD. It is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, and I'm your good buddy, Joe O'Brien. And it is I, Troy Big Daddy LaValley. Big Daddy Big Daddy. And, not, and we're not saying Big Daddy because he, you know, runs a, a big uh, gambling operation. He's, right. he's Big Daddy because he's ha- he has too many children. I've, I've, I've overdone it. <laughs> I was saying to you right before we went live, like, we didn't realize it was going to be a problem until we came home. We're like, oh, no. What, what have we done? <laughs> it's so funny for people that don't uh, have kids or are about to have their first kid. I think one of the things they don't understand is like when you're in the hospital in those those couple days right after, you don't realize how good you have it because you think you're exhausted. You think you can't, you haven't slept. You know, and I'm, of course I'm just speaking for the dads. But when you get home and there's no one to help you. But you and you also there's no doctor there like for an immediate need if there's something wrong with the baby right it's just you're on your own it's such a terrifying feeling the first days at home the hospital seemed like a, a, a you know a wonderful place to be when after I got home dude it's Tuesday February 28th we got home from the hospital yesterday and this all started on Friday and you and I. Have not talked. <laughs> no, we just jumped on here. I just like pulled myself away from my new life to do this. And I'm like, let's not even catch up. Let's just record and talk. Yeah. About life. Yeah. So tell me how it all went down. Uh, oh. This is no exaggeration. We have not talked. Uh, I don't know how private you want to be. So I will just let you lead the discussion. <laughs> all I know is I got an email on Friday that said shit went down. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm uh, in the hospital. We're, hey, we're in labor. So uh, no, rec- please cancel the recording Monday night. Uh, yeah, I. Um, so we, Sam and I, we, my wife and I, we were pregnant with our third baby. Uh, we've got two boys at home, and uh, we, uh, well, she <laughs> gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. Um, yeah, on, you did it on Friday. Yeah, on Friday, uh, February twenty fourth. So crazy. So. Archer, the plan with Archer, our first kid, was going to be let's let's do it. Who's four and a half? Who's four? Yeah, four and a half was like let's just do it 
do it the old fashioned. We're going to have a, a baby and, uh, he ended up being an emergency C-section. Um, because this is the thing is like when you're going to have a baby, uh, you oh, can sorry, take, you're going back to the story. I'm of your going first back. Baby. Yeah. Got I'm, it, got I'm it, going it. back to my first baby just to tell this story because it's just wild. But no matter how many classes you take, how many books you read on pregnancy, how many people you talk about, how was your pregnancy? Like we're three in and they were all <laughs> fucking different and crazy <laughs> and wild and like, ah, the whole entire time. <laughs> So yeah, Archer, we were just planning on like, let's have a, let's have a baby, you know, at 40 weeks, she hadn't gone to labor yet. And then at 41, we're like, did her lab- water break? We're not sure. Went into the doctor that day and they were like, yeah, it looks like your water broke, but it was a high break tonight. Well, let's induce you. Let's go have a baby. Go home, have dinner. Let's have a baby. So we came back. They induced her, end up giving her too much, I think, in my opinion. And it was emergency C-section. We like, we thought we were going to lose the baby. It was horrible. Uh, but you know, uh, that, then we had Archer. Then with Dash, we were going to try and do what's known as a, a V-back. I don't look it up. But anyways, it's like, uh, you can try to ha- do it the natural way after having a C-section. Again, 41, at 41 weeks, Dash didn't want to come. So they were like, let's, we're just pulling him out. So we pulled him out. That was pretty standard, a lot less harrowing than the emergency C-section. So with, uh, with Evie, it was, uh, we, we have to do a C-section. After two sections, two C-sections, you don't get a uh, choice anymore. Uh, you got to do a third C-section. So we're going to schedule it at 39 weeks. Because you want to do that so you don't go into labor. Uh, you want to do it a week early. So great. Friday night at like four fucking four thirty in the morning, Sam is like, I think, I think my water broke. I'm like what? What are you talking about? And we, we had a rough night. Like Dash just was like not sleeping well. And her and I were like going up and down the stairs trying to get him calmed down. And so we had, we were on no sleep at four thirty in the morning. She's like, I think my water broke. I was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And uh, so I got up. Did you have a bug out bag packed? Were you like ready? We, we had a backpack, but like it, we had nothing else prepared. Like we had decided that my folks were going to come and watch the boys while we went and did this uh, on the planned day, March 9th. It was going to be all set up. We'd have spreadsheets of how to how to deal with our children because no one watches our children. We don't have babysitters. We don't have any friends out here. Um, we have no one. We have literally no one in the middle of Westchester. And so it was <laughs> like, like Whole, yeah, <laughs> whole thing. We were like planning to do. We were gonna have all the food and everything. I hadn't even gone grocery shopping yet. Water broke. But on top of the water break, and now this, I'm gonna, I want to get like a little uh, graphic here because I want people to un- understand these things and how this works. Um, there was like a blood everywhere, and I'm like, oh, uh, I, I, my brain immediately thinks the baby's dead or you know what i mean like we're the baby's hurt um because i i'm like that's not there a little blood's okay there's there's way too much blood so now we're two and a half weeks early and uh there's blood everywhere so she calls the doctor like oh the doctor will call you right back i'm like i'm calling 911 and she's like great idea so i call 911 the cops show up and like, there's no, there's no light. There's no street lights. Would you in try Westchester. to beat it out of them? <laughs> it's like, pull the gun on me. Show me the it looks like a crime scene in our house. So they flash lights on the house because there's no street lights in Westchester. So they have to light up the whole fucking neighborhood. The cops come in and we're asking the cops like, is this normal? And the lady's like, I don't have kids. I'm just a, a cop. And I'm like, oh, I thought you were the fucking EMT. Who are you got my house? I pulled a gun on her. It got crazy. Anyways. Finally, like you get, said, every pregnancy is so different. You never expect to pull a gun on a cop during a pregnancy. But here we were at 4.45 a.m., uh, like a scene out of Reservoir Dogs. Finally, the EMT came in and cooler heads prevailed. Her and I sheathed our weapons. And uh, 
And the EMT, he was really cool. He's like, all right, well, let's go have a baby. He like great bedside manner. He was like, come on, uh, where are you going? Oh, that hospital that's half an hour away. Cool. I'll drive you there. And so she takes off. And I, at this plan- point, it's 430. I'm like, because initially I'm like, I can't drive you. Do I wake up the boys and we all drive together and then I just drop you off like, good luck with the baby. And I drive the boys back or I can't drag the children into the emergency room. Um, so I'm like, is she going to drive for something? No, 911. They take her. Um, so then she calls me and she's like, can you go like knock on the neighbor's door and see if they'll come sit with the boys? Cause I, they just said that they're going to take the baby out right away. And I was like, uh, uh, no, I can't, I can't do that. We don't know any, any of the neighbors well enough to me to be like, hello, 430. You know, like we don't know anybody. We just don't know anybody. And I'm like, well, can you call your friend? (laughs) I'm just picturing you knocking on your next door neighbor's door, asking them to come over, then being like, sure. (laughs) Then like you go to the hospital, have the baby come back like four hours later, kids gone. Every possession in your house, gone. Gone, Like the right. entire thing cleaned out. And the next door neighbor's house, completely cleaned out. Gone. Right, with a for sale sign. Yeah, That's they right. just flashed like, away what, in the night. What happened? That's the worst day of my life. <laughs> you look up who these people were, like, no one's lived in that house for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there's just cobwebs inside. Um, and uh so like so uh, did you drive the boys to the hospital did you wake no, them up and take no. them to the hospital so okay. one of sam's friends her closest friend actually just bought a house out here but a half an hour away so i said why don't you call so-and-so and have her come uh and uh and then when she comes i'll, I'll call my parents and say start driving from massachusetts i'll call my elderly parents to start coming up here uh and uh and then they'll take over and then i'll come and hopefully i can make it for the birth i, I don't even know what's going on at this point she's not even at the hospital all i know is like something something weird is happening so she's like okay good idea uh, my wife is just so amazing she's so unbelievable and like so calm and clear-headed and like i'm doing that thing where like i'm in panic mode but i'm trying to like rise above it to be calm for her while my inside is just like screaming in fear it's a horrible feeling i mean it was it was the emergency c-section all over again except the the only benefit of that is there was no time to think it went from hmm that heart rate seems to be dipping to oh my god 10 doctors in the room pulling my wife away me throwing on that outfit like i didn't even have time and then baby so (laughs) anyways her friend is on her way so i call my parents wake them up from a sound sleep i'm like hey uh her water broke they're taking to the hospital we need you to come and my parents like uh all right uh you know and 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 so it's going to take them about six hours to get here because they hadn't packed they they're each on like 50 medications they gotta find (laughs) it's such a fucking ordeal so uh sam's best friend shows up and i i had like their breakfast the boys breakfast all made and i'm like with i wrote some instructions i'm like here's what you got to do i'm like have you ever changed a diaper and she's like no she's never been around a child for longer than like 30 minutes and never unsupervised but she's you know she's great i'm like okay well um Today's your lucky day because I guarantee you Dash is going to have the largest shit in the world uh, with the way our luck is going today. Um, but uh, I said, Archer's super easy. Just, uh, you know, if you need anything, you call me uh, or text me and I'll be around. I-, I left her with as much stuff as I could. And then I went and I woke up Archer um, just to let him know, like, hey, daddy's going to go. Uh, we're going to have the baby today. And uh, I was like, just Dash might freak out because you're not his mom. But good luck. And I left. And uh, <laughs> I just drove. 
I mean, I, it's a 22 minute drive from our house to the hospital. And I think I did it in six minutes. I mean, I was <laughs> driving over forests to get there. And, uh, I get in there and then I go upstairs to the maternity ward. And, and, and uh, at this point, Sam texted me and she said, I'm here. They've got me hooked up. They, the baby's heartbeat is great. Uh, I'm next in line to have the baby. If you, if you're here soon, I, I think you're going to make it in. So I get there and, uh, it just it all went down, and uh, you know we we had the baby. You know she was. So little, you were in there when the baby got taken out. Yeah, I was in there. I was with her in the in the like prep room and everything. We had at least. So an did hour you together. wear a mask, or were you like, I don't need to wear a mask? Right, I was like, oh, now we all gonna wear masks, and you thought this was America. <laughs> and then I pulled a gun on the surgeon. <laughs> Again, it was just that you never expect it. And, uh, it was just wild, man. But, um, you know, if you've ever been in a, in a, in an OR for a C-section, this is now my third. First was emergency. The second, I was like, Oh, this will be easy. I've done this. At least now we're knowing it's happening. And it's still terrifying mm. because they're cutting your wife open, taking all of her organs and just putting them on a, a, a dish towel. Uh, mm -hmm. and she's just slowly dying before your eyes and they're just pumping her full of stuff to keep her alive. That's the way I narrate it in my head. I'm like, honey, 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 you with me? And, uh, this time I was like, Oh God, it's going to be that all over again. But I was just so worried about the baby and I'm worried about Sam too, obviously. Um, and she came out and, uh, you know, she was she, obviously she was a little bit early. So she had to spend some time in the NICU. Uh, we had never had the, any experiences with the NICU and, uh, God, they're amazing there. Uh, but she was in and out of the NICU because uh, a lot her her lungs weren't ready. They, a lot of babies when they're born early, uh, and she wasn't early. Like she's full term at thirty seven and a half weeks. You're considered full term. It's not like she was premature. But a lot of people, a lot of babies at thirty seven weeks, uh, thirty seven and a half weeks, their lungs can't transition. They don't know how to use their lungs right away. Um, so they were giving her oxygen in the thing, and I'm like, everything all right over there? And they're not answering me. I'm like, I'm like everything all right? I see them yeah, slapping. Yeah. You know the what looks feet. super super normal? A a newborn at thirty seven weeks hooked up to oxygen like that doesn't scare you at all like, it's just Ugh. it's such a horrifying thing to see horrible and they're like slapping their feet i'm like is everything all right no one's answering me i'm like oh and i want to go over there because usually they let the dad go over there and i mean it was just it was it was a a a wild wild ride that i'm still still coming down from and then the whole weekend was like once I knew the baby was okay, obviously the NICU was its own thing. Um, but I, I trusted them. They, they were so amazing. And they said, this is totally normal at 37 weeks. You got to put them on the CPAP and then eventually they'll start to be able to take, regulate their oxygen like we do. Um, and sure enough, they did. And she was out of the NICU. But in the meantime, I'm driving back and forth from the hospital to be with the boys because it was so important. To, I'm a very involved parent, as you know, and like it was just so important to me. I didn't want this to disrupt the boys' weekend. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want them to feel like it's hard enough bringing a new baby into the house. It's extra hard, like if their routine is screwed up and they think like, "Oh, what's going on?" You know. So I wanted to make sure I was there for lunch. I wanted to make sure I was there to give them a bath at the end of the night to to read them their stories, to put them to bed, and then I'd rush back to the hospital, and then I'd come back in the in the morning to be there when they woke up, and you know, because the baby still wasn't in the room. And then the night that they she stayed overnight, I like was I was back and forth from the hospital like four or five times a day coming back at 10 o'clock at night to be there with Sam and the baby. And I mean, it's just, it was a wild, wild weekend, but we came home yesterday, which was Monday. I know this show comes out tomorrow on Wednesday and, uh, it's just now it's our new life. It's fucking wild, dude. <laughs> it's wild, man. Wow. Wild. 
Yeah, it's uh, my bravo. Congratulations. Uh, Thanks, give buddy. my give my congratulations to Sam uh, and congrats to her for doing all the real work. She's uh, so amazing, dude. But it's like, well, it's I know. I mean, that's not surprising to me. She is. Uh, she's so calm. Like whenever I'm at your house, you're like raving about how awful something is. <laughs> Could be an object in the house, uh, a person that lives around the corner. And she's always just looking at me and just slowly shaking her head. Like, it's so sad, isn't it, to see him, how upset he is all the time? Like, she's just so level-headed uh, and calm and a calm presence. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's amazing. And it's congratulations! Wild. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, we, you know, it's very nice. We, we had the two boys. We were hoping it would be a girl and, uh, you know, just to mix it up. But obviously, you just want healthy baby. Um, but the boys are so excited. My, well, my, not just to mix it up. I mean, it's it's the best. That's what I wrote you in the email. It's just yeah. like, it's the best. I'd feel very sad for you if you missed out on having a girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Suck. I mean, it's just, it's funny. To Archer put it best. He was like, uh, I want it to be a girl. And if it's a boy, we're going to throw it away. <laughs> I said, well, were you going to throw away Dash? He's like, no, when we had Dash, I wanted a boy, but now I want a girl. I said, well, I understand that. <laughs> well, you are being very clear. Uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm glad that this thoughts. is an audio only show because I look like I just fought Mike Tyson. <laughs> Like I was Mike Tyson's sparring partner, but I wasn't allowed to throw a punch. It was the first thing I said to you when you got on the call. I said, looking good, buddy. Oh, man, I really look like I got a black eye. And I don't know if that's like if I somebody hit me or if it's like stress eczema it's, it's, or what the fuck. It, it's, it's probably lack no of sleep. sleep. Yeah, it's, it's lack no sleep. of sleep. That's that's what the dark eyes will. So the dark eyes are good. Anyway, we should probably do a fodder at some point. We should update everybody yeah. on the news. Well, this is it. That's the, the news. That's the yeah, news. Yeah, that's that's the that's the big news. Uh, there are a couple things that we'll that we'll chat about in a little bit from episode sixty four, but it's an all role playing episode. There's really no rules to talk about. But I'll tell you what. I'll give you a parting gift, Troy, before we uh, say goodbye on this call today, and I'll. I'll tell you about a fun fact rule of Pathfinder 2E that I bet you don't know. Oh, and I thought it was going to be cash. And I bet you'd assume it was wrong. Uh, but, oh. Uh, but yeah, you'll you'll see what it is in a minute. But um, excited. Cash. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a parting gift. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I just tell you about my weekend? Yeah. It's way less hectic. Way less hectic. I thought you were going to be like, if you thought your weekend was crazy. Yeah. Okay. Now we'll get to the crazy weekend. <laughs> I went to a trivia night in my neighborhood. It was kind of – it's like a big <laughs> fundraiser thing for the town. Uh, it was at the local VFW. Oh, boy. Like, you know, Bud and Bud Lights on tap sure. for a, a hall filled with people that are just all trying to get away from their, their children for a night. Like, that's that's pretty much what the vibe was. And uh, you, you do tables of 10 – and we sat at a table with some neighbors of ours that we barely know. One of the guy who I know well, who was like, you got to do trivia. I was like, all right, we're in. He was at another table. So, like, I just got put with people we didn't know. My wife is stressing about it the entire time. Like, I'm so awkward. I don't want to meet any new people. This is going to be terrible. I'm like, ah, we'll have a good time. And you hate trivia. And I, I'm terrible at trivia. And they all thought I was going to be good at trivia because they know I have some nerd job. Like, that's that that's what they know I do. He must and be so, smart. Yeah, they're like, he must be a genius with trivia. Uh, <laughs> though I did nail, uh, what is the third book in the Song of Ice and Fire series? Oh, which got complete, I'm telling you, dude, blank stares from every table around me. Right. They're like, Game of Thrones book three? 
Yeah, nobody knew. <laughs> nobody. They, no, they said, what's the Song of Ice and Fire? And I was yeah. like, it's a series that Game of Thrones is based on. Oh, well, I don't know the title of those books. Uh, <laughs> so that was my one shining moment. But anyway, I just bring it up to say that people are so different. They're so wildly different from us. Like, this was a group of all people in my neighborhood, all with kids, all of a similar age, who were drinking beers and having a good time. And I just, like, our style of talking, our references, and our humor just completely fell flat the entire like every <laughs> joke i made i got these questionable looks it was funny you made me think of it when you said uh here's cash like uh the one dude was like i'll, I'll get a picture uh and i was like i, I haven't paid you everything he was like don't worry about it and i just pulled out my wallet and like opened it up and did like the dave woody thing where i was just like just take whatever you want from my wallet just take whatever you want and from my wallet nothing and he just looked at me like what are you talking about? I, I said I'd get it. And I was just like, and I just slowly folded my wallet and put it back in my pocket. Dude, this is like, how I feel like when I try to make jokes around people from LA. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. no one laughs. I'm yeah. Like, I, I agree. I don't understand why they don't think we're hilarious. I don't know. Uh, it's just, I think that we've just been in this echo chamber for too long. And it's not just us that play on the Glass Cannon podcast. It's also like all of our New York friends. You know what I mean? Like we've all just hung out with each other for 15 years now all the time and our sense of humor is so tight and like we yeah. make each other laugh all the time but then when i take it outside the circle i just get these looks <laughs> like i don't get it it's that east coast edge too you know what i mean like we just have a different way of doing it i was talking to mona about it it's like you know there's a lot of people out here that don't may not appreciate you guys because they just don't understand like that sort of east coast like oh you guys are a lot um you know <laughs> <laughs> He understands it. You know, like I had a tweet that kind of blew up a few weeks ago and it was just me being like, you know, a, a typical asshole. But like it, other people started finding it in the gaming community who don't know me and my style and just thought I was the worst thing that ever happened to tabletop gaming. And I was like, <laughs> man, just watch our shit. It's like I got a caveat, everything. I'm just a jokester. I'm a joke maker. Tell him, Jerry. Uh, I'm a joke maker. I'm a, I'm a joke maker. <laughs> Uh, it is. It gets exhausting just to kind of have to constantly tell people, like, I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> like, to have to say that is it's just so annoying. Um, <laughs> biggest news uh, for us business-wise is the studio update. We're going to have studio updates for you week in and week out on the FOD because it's really just updating our path to the Gatewalkers release. And we made a huge jump this week since the last episode of Fodder where I had mentioned we were moving forward with the space and everything. Well, it's all said and done since the last episode i have signed on the dotted line yeah. i went to, i found a goddamn notary and uh, <laughs> i got everything taken care of and we are we're squared away and signed and the money has been exchanged oh sign sealed delivered studios out you and got i've got keys, keys baby wow that's a lot of keys oh let me ask you is there a bathroom key Oh, that's a lot of keys. That's, that's a lot two of keys. full keychains. There's uh, outer door, inner door, multiple copies, fobs. Uh, there's stair A. Oh, boy. So this is the key you need to save yourself in a fire. Uh, and, uh, and yes, there is man bathroom. Literally says man bathroom. Man bathroom. Man bathroom key. <laughs> and woman bathroom key. Um, so yeah, if we got the bathroom keys, we got to find that tenant, uh, that didn't want to let you in and give her a little of the, right. Or just linger outside the bathroom waiting for her to come on and be like, Oh, hi neighbor. 
just using uh, our bathroom that we share. <laughs> I'm going to take a shit. And then and walk then, into the woman bathroom. Never breaking eye contact. <laughs> that face you just made was so funny. Um, so, yeah, we're good. We are. The process has begun. I'm actually going to the studio again tomorrow uh, wow. to the HVAC guys coming to do final measurements before we move forward with that job. Uh, among other things, there's a lot to discuss, but uh, we'll do most of that boring stuff off air. There are spreadsheets of shit to do and the order in which we have to do it. But just want to let you know, I got the keys yesterday. So that's Fantastic. exciting. Fantastic. I was catching up today while looking at Asana and some G chats. I'm like, oh, I went to the studio yesterday. It's a rough time. Like I had everything planned out for like, I just need two more weeks. I'm going to wrap up a bunch of things that we have in the fire. And then I'm going to go have a baby. And instead the baby came and like, we're in the middle of like several deals that need uh, some negotiating and my input. And I'm like, I can't think straight. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's rough times. Um, that's why I was happy we got a fought at all. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if we're going to get Troy. And so I'm, I'm glad you took the time out to tell us that amazing story. Um, got to be here for the fod, man. So the other thing that I'm working on in the background is um, Alien RPG. For yes. those that did not see the promo, the, the teaser promo that dropped in Strange Aeons last week during the live stream, um, we're do, we're going to do uh, Alien on Labs. That's going to be our next Labs, uh, which I'm really, really excited about, looking forward to. Uh, it's going to be another original Alien adventure uh, combo. McD and I putting together this story, and we were just talking about it today for a while. Um, it's it's fantastic. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention. I think I'm not going to mention the cast, right? I'm not going to mention the cast. Yeah, we'll I mean, you, obviously, I'm not going to be on it, um, which is right. a bummer. But uh, I'm really excited about this cast. Let's wait till. Um, it, well, I think the, it'll come out on this week's Strange Aeons, maybe. That's right. So you got to watch Strange Aeons live on Twitch uh, Thursday night during that uh, break, during the um, the uh, whatever, the commercial break in the middle of the show. You're going to see the cast announcement. We're making it. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Oh, so keep an eye out for that. What's a cast? What a cast? It's a killer cast. Yeah. And we'll we'll go more in depth about it next week uh, on Fodder, which will be the day before the show. Um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's pretty much it. I, I'm just going to fire you a couple questions about Glass Cannon 64, and then uh, I'll talk about this one little fun rule thing that I want to bring up, because there is no real we are stupid, because uh, yeah. there was no real rules being used. It was an all an all role play episode as we returned from the Dreamlands and prepare for the return to the Caravanserai. And um, to me, one of the, you know, the thing that really stood out is Atticus's magic show. Um, mm-hmm. That might seem selfish, but I felt like that was a really cool moment that – came out of nowhere i mean i just sort of like thought of it as a morale booster and as part of this magic show atticus has a vision if, if do you remember this you yeah, hear about this i do uh, it's one of my favorite things that we've done in a while i was amazing and it was a vision of a, a, a creature of cosmic horror who calls uh, atticus james again and says to him quote uh time to come home or something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, I got chills. It was so freaky. 
Talk to me about this for a second, because I just want the audience to know this is completely unplanned. You and I did not talk anything about this. And I uh, that the idea for me to do an illusionist show was totally off the cuff. And the way you weaved that in, tell me how that came into your mind. Or was that something you were holding in the chamber for a while? How did that develop? No, you know, honestly, I think it's from uh, season one of Call of Cthulhu, playing all that Cthulhu and just having to like, you know, you prep, you prep, you prep, but you want to be you want to be alive in the moment and be able to come up with my goal sort of when I, when I do Cthulhu is like, how do I come up with narrative moments that uh, are, are trying to be as brilliant as what's been pre-written. And, and a lot of that comes from just listening to the players and, 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 trying to offer something that you think is like what you'd want to see on TV, like a really cool moment. Um, in the past, like, uh, whether it be Good Morning Glipglorp or the Halloween party, it was like things that you guys prodded me, like, hey, let's go do this. And it's like, not in the adventure, but I'm like, okay, I'll, let me think about it. And then I go off and I prep it and we do it. What I'm trying to do is just like get rid of the prep part and just have these moments happen um, organically. And so when you said I want to do a magic show, first thing that popped in my head is like, okay, how do I take this magic show and tie it into the story. And so as you were doing it, I was just thinking of ideas and that just came out of the improv, you know? Um, and it's just, so yeah, you're, you're, you're letting me go off and do my thing. But the first thing that you're thinking is like, all right, now how can I connect this back to the story so that we let our, the player take this departure they want to take, but we don't let it be a full departure. We make sure that it comes back around to the story. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the episode in, I think it was episode 15 of season one of Time for Chaos. I, I, I think it was 15. Um, it's my favorite, favorite episode of any show we've ever recorded. I said to you off, off air. And it was Ross's character went to go do something that was totally separate from what the main party was doing. And, it, it, it was, it, what, what came out of this was just this beautiful episode that I feel like was, was scripted and it wasn't. It was just playing with someone as brilliant as Ross and, and having something beautiful come out of it, which tied in somehow to the main story. And so I just, I, 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 I it's, it's such good practice, uh, to do this now, um, in, in preparation for getting back on tour and for the new show, because I think when we started to, to do too many shows, we we're putting out too much, no, not too much content. We we're putting out so much content. Our eyes were bleeding. We kind of got away from our roots a little bit. Um, because it was just like, we just got, we got to get this out. Let's do the best we can. And we were, we were doing the best we can, but like we lost out on a lot of these moments. And so, um, whenever we have an opportunity to do it, it's, it, it's something I want to jump on. And so I was so glad you were like, I'm going to do a magic show. Uh, I, I, and I was glad you didn't say like, all right, so he does a little magic and everybody claps. Like you went with it and I said, all right, I'm going to go with it too. And then we created something really beautiful, which was, which was yeah, it, it really stood out to me. I think that it stood out. Another reason is the horror of it, I think played so well. It's very Cthulian yeah. in that it takes place. Like uh, it, I'm even getting chills just thinking about it, like in a theater, right? Like during a show yeah. and the performer sees something they're not supposed to see and they are not in control of the show anymore. And it, it's a classic story that is so, uh, it's just awesome to be a part of, to, to think about how, how frightened you are and how you have to look like you're not frightened. You know what I mean? And keep it yeah. together. Uh, just a really interesting concept to, uh, to put into, you know, one of our games. And it's so funny you mentioned 
the combination of episode 15 of Time for Chaos, Ross, and this idea of us getting away from some of the stuff that we were doing. The problem with the amount of content that we were all putting out at the same time without having it all pre-recorded uh, well in advance is that we were spreading ourselves too thin. And I had a cannon fodder with Ross where I, we were digging into improv. I was asking him about improv. And he talked about an improv lesson that's, you know, it's, as, as old as, as, you know, he could remember in terms of thinking about how you approach improv. And he was saying that when it comes to this character stuff, uh, you need to, you don't dig wide, you dig deep. And so, you know, you don't keep adding on things to your character. You don't keep adding neuroses or obsessions or objects or desires or goals. You take the one goal and you keep digging deeper into it and deeper into it and deeper into it. And that is what I think we got away from a little bit with some of our main, with some of our shows. It was like there wasn't enough time to dig deeper into those shows, to have those kind of scenes. And I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful that we have it now. And that that's what, I mean, Suki scene was amazing. And that's another thing that we talked about that on fodder, just yeah. it's elevating the game for me. And I think that um, even Eris is more, is getting more and more fleshed out, you know, <laughs> not to no pun intended, but is getting, uh, more interesting to me as she delves deeper into like her crush on Ethel. You know what I mean? It's like this fun little undertone that makes her feel more, much more real. And mm -hmm. the way that she like showgirls the like, uh, uh, trying to get into the show and trying to be the magic right. assistant for the show. She's like smiling and leaning in close, like, you know, trying to be noticed, uh, which is such a great little character trait that's interesting and unique and makes her uh, a little bit more special. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm loving the game right now. And it's 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 those episodes that really remind you why we do it, you know? Yeah. And we were all in the zone, like right from the banter. I could tell like, OK, we're let's go have some fun. Um, and are you just, referring to the bouquet dicks? Uh, <laughs> Murder of crows. Um, yeah. Like when the bands hot, I'm like, all right, we're going to have, some, we're going to have some fun. And it didn't have like a combat to, to weigh it down. Um, I don't know. It, what I liked is though, is that we didn't plan it. Um, there's nothing wrong with planning it. I mean, so much of giant Sayer, there was conversations beforehand. A lot of it, there wasn't, uh, but there were at least conversations. We kind of knew what we we're going to do. Uh, it's fun to like, we're, we're honing our craft now to the point where we can just, uh, start playing with each other and, and amazing things come out of it. Um, it's, 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 it's a, the beauty of what we do is to be able to elevate sort of gaming into, uh, dare I say, without sounding pretentious, an art form. Yeah. <laughs> An art form. Uh, nope. I completely agree with you. So uh, what's the other thing? Oh, I just wanted to walk away with one thought. And this is this is just me asking you. I'm curious. Normally, I would ask this kind of thing off air, but I'm just curious. <laughs> the, the ritual. Um, it seems to me like you, are you bypassing the die rolls on the ritual now? Or are you using those die that we sent a long time ago? Are they still actually there? Or are you just getting rid of it to just advance the show? Are you leaving any possibility for critical fails on the ritual out there? This is one mechanical question that's coming to my mind. What's your decision as a GM here? Yeah, so really all that interests me right now is the time that it takes to get the ritual done. At a certain point, I didn't think the um, the result of the critical failure was an interesting addition to the show that we're making. Um, if it was an off-air game, I'd probably have it happen uh, once. Um, but 
I just didn't think it was that interesting enough of an addition for it to matter. What I am interested in is like how long it takes. And so I, I did roll a bunch of dice rolls for all of you very early on to see like how long it would take you to do uh, each one, assuming you went in a certain order. And I've kind of stuck to that. But at a certain point, I just didn't think it was very, very interesting. And we learned that in Nashville when you guys failed like three times in a row. It's like, I got on stage. Just, right. I got either secret roll these or. Uh, shoe it because it just doesn't it doesn't really matter i didn't think that the like the penalty was interesting enough yeah i agree and i agree that like it, i think the ritual is really cool but like when you're on your eighth time your ninth time your 14th time it loses its luster a little bit so well, this is it's funny you bring that up because without spoiling anything gatewalkers has um it's there's there's a, a lot of it is this investigation um you know your your paranormal investigators so there's 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 a big investigation part of it and uh, it it starts to go into some um some systems that are uh like what what do you call them like side games like remember the uh Skier guard had the, uh, you know, you were the alert infiltrate. system, the, yeah, morale, the, system, yeah. the camp morale. And yeah. Like so the- you have sort of like these little mini, mini games, I call them where you're doing investigation. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to not do them, but if we are going to do, I want to make sure it's interesting. I don't want it to just be like, you have now reached eight investigation points. So you get this information. Um, so I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to do it straight by the book because I feel like it's boring. It's borderline the same system as, uh, strange aeons. And I just, I don't know. So I got, we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get there. It might be there's a way to do it where like you don't even know you're doing that little gaming system. You're just uncovering these clues in other ways while secretly I know you're accruing these points. I'll have to see. Yeah, most adventure paths have these in one form or another, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fun. It's interesting if you want to do it. You don't always have to do it. Um, I remember uh, sp- slight spoilers for Council of Thieves for any anyone that wants to play that, but there's there's a, there's a, a fame mechanic in that, and I got a little bit tired of tracking it. It can be uh, onerous to track it when it's something that really you don't need to you don't need mechanics to let you know how famous you know your your heroes are in a town. Like you can kind of figure that out through role play and stuff like that. Uh, but it is a necessary mechanic to telling the story because it it goes to show. You know, uh, how the more well liked you are, the more support and help you can get from the people in an urban adventure. And I thought that that was an important concept, but how you display it as a GM doesn't necessarily always have to be mechanically by the book. You can feel it in the way that the game is being played in the interactions people have with NPCs. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, every AP is a little bit different, but I, I, I can certainly respect both using the mechanic and not using it. Yeah, you can adapt um, it like we did with the caravan mechanic in Jade Region. Um, I think there's fun ways to adapt it, and our stuff will be adapted in a different way considering how our our media is consumed. Yeah. Uh, there is no We Are Stupid this week because it was all an we're all play episode. Because we're brilliant. Uh, Professor Eric wrote in and said, hey, uh, thanks for making me listen to you and your friends improv act together. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, and he pointed out that uh, there were only two things that possibly could have brought up a rules question, which was the casting of Oneric Meyer and how those saves worked and the aid action, both which came up. And he was like, and you did them both right. So there were no notes in terms of We Are Stupid. But I did want to bring up one rules thing before we go, because I'd always like to throw something at you. I was doing a deep dive into 2E for some stuff that I'm working on, and Mm -hmm. I found something rather interesting uh, that I I was like, holy shit. Um, Did you know 
Pathfinder 2E fun fact. You do not have to have a free hand to use it to cast a somatic component of a spell. I feel, you Did know, you I, know that? I feel like I knew that, or maybe I'm just carrying over something I was thinking from from one e that you could use a sword hand to cast the spell. Maybe I just thought you couldn't. I thought that like if you had a shield in your hand, like you couldn't cast a spell with that hand. Do the um, finger splay correctly. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't. Maybe I was overthinking it, but I always thought that uh, casting a spell required at least a free hand. And uh, in two e, it is very explicit that you do not. A somatic component is a specific hand movement or gesture that generates a magical nexus. The spell gains the manipulate trait and requires you to make gestures. You can use this component while holding something in your hand but not if you are restrained or otherwise unable to gesture freely. Mm. This even cast, uh, counts for touch spells. Spells that require you to touch a target require a somatic comp- component, and you can do so while holding something in your hand as long as part of your hand is able to touch the target. So if you're wielding a sword, you can still – if you're a paladin, you can still cast lay on hands. Like you can just touch somebody. You don't have to have a free hand to lay on them, which I think would be, you know, an, an over-exaggerated maybe way to look at the rule. But I it, I always like to hold myself to that more difficult standard. And um, I was happy to look into the rule book and see that it was – you're good to go. So, son of a bitch, we learned something. Son of a bitch, we learned something. Fun facts. You have got to get back to your family. Uh, you have a lot of work to do. And I appreciate you taking the time out to hang on the FOD for a little bit. So thanks, this, for, thanks for doing it. Yeah, time. well, hey, I uh... – you know, I met – did I tell you I met Jerry Seinfeld years ago uh, when I was working for Getty Images? No. So I yes, most, I, you did. Yeah, I mostly – I don't think I've told this uh, story in the show, but I uh, I mostly did freelance video editing for Getty Images. But uh, my buddy was the guy that booked uh, – our buddy, friend of ours, Pomponio, was the guy that booked a lot of the events. Was, it mostly was red carpet events. But there was this one thing where Jerry Seinfeld and his wife were doing this uh, sort of gala for um, – his wife's foundation was like, which was about fathers, basically. It was something to do with fathers and, um, you know, kind of helping kids who maybe don't have fathers and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I, he was like, he got me a gig as the producer. So I was the one asking the questions on the red carpet. And there was some celebrities there, but obviously the big one I want to do is talk to Jerry. And so I had my list of questions. And at the end I was like, um, you know, your, uh, you, you know, everyone considers you like one of the hardest working men in show business. How do you reconcile, um, you know, being a great dad with also like all the hours that it takes to be the best in your, um, at your craft, the best in your uh, profession. And, and, and his answer always stuck with me. He's like, well, that's a great question. I was like, thank you. I came up with it on, on the fly here. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, I always think that <clears throat> by working hard, you're, you're showing your, your children like the importance of that. So like, even though you're not, you may not be there a hundred percent of the time, you're, um, you're showing them like the importance of hard work. And, uh, and so that's why it's like, gotta do fodder today. Daddy's gotta go work real quick. 
Yeah, yeah, I my, it definitely bums my kids out sometimes too. Um, but you know, I, I think that they're getting more and more of a sense of it of the obligation. You know, we talk about the obligations yeah. that you have to other people and the promises that you make, and that you have to keep those promises by you know sometimes doing things you don't want to do at the minute you want to do it. You know what I mean? But yeah. like, you just got to get in there and and you got to do it. And I think it, it sets a good example. I mean, that's the way that my parents were. You know, that's the way my dad was. Like he was working all the time, working doubles all the time, yep. o- overtime all the time. And like, I, do I wish that he was around more sure but like i left being like man i really respect my dad you know what i mean and it was uh it's a good feeling so um again congratulations uh, Thanks, on behalf buddy. of the nation all the other guys uh we will miss you for these four months that you have to take off from the last <laughs> network uh <laughs> we're excited to to have you back soon and uh dude gatewalkers i think we might record gate some gatewalkers this month Let's i think we go. might We might. We've got a studio. We're ready to rock. Uh, I couldn't be more excited. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll see you in a week. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit glasscannonnetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at patreon.com slash glasscannon. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.